In this episode, Armin and I talk about how do you know if you're trusting God with your bold idea. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates. Along with Armin Asadi. We're so glad you're a part of this episode. We are here again to help you put your faith to work and to bring your bold ideas to life. And Armin is off location. Uh, that means he's not in studio. That's right. <laughs> you are up north. In northern Wisconsin. In northern Wisconsin. A.K.A. That's right. Uh, what, what they would call God's country. God's country. I, 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 don't, I don't believe that, but they call it that. <laughs> not the end of the world, <laughs> but you can see it from there. In all yeah, deference to our Wisconsin a friends, it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful part of the country. Um, Armin, you and I are taking a break from our fantastic guest lineup. And uh, we like to do this every once in a while because uh, we like to you know, ponder an idea. And so the thought that we're wanting to work with today is how do we really know if we're trusting God with a bold idea? You know, we talk often about trust and just putting our trust in God for something, but we don't necessarily really think much about whether we're in fact doing it and how well we're doing it. And so our objective today is really to stimulate your thinking and to have you just kind of test yourself to do a little bit of a self check and see, well, how well am I doing in this trusting God with this idea that, that he's having me work on, or maybe he's birthing in you, or maybe you don't even know what that idea is yourself. In fact, I think trust is most often needed. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, when we don't know what the idea is, well, uh, I, I, I would, I kind of agree with that. Uh, if the trust is in God and not in something else, I definitely agree with that. Totally. Yeah. But in my scenario, I often trust everything but God when it's unknown. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, this is, and of course, this is the challenge. This is the challenge we always have as, as people who are prone to looking at other things other than God first. So let's dive into this conversation. I mean, let's first of all talk about the challenges of new undertakings. You and I have done quite a bit in terms of new undertakings. We've run multiple businesses. We've, you know, been in and out of companies. We've launched companies. We've launched nonprofits. We've, uh, you know, done lots of projects. We've started lots of different ideas, including this podcast together and the Reinventure Me one before that. Uh, lots of undertakings, but why do you think, or why would you say trust is so important? Well, I, I mean, uh, spending a lot of time with the guy who wrote the book on trust, David Horsager, um, I think I learned a lot of reasons why trust is important from a corporate level and a, tr- a relational level, but there's something so much more deeper in terms of this trust with God. And let, let me just, let me preface whatever I'm about to say that it's probably one of the most in- infuriating practices uh, I, I do, which is trying to trust God. I'm terrible at it. And uh, every time I feel like I am putting my faith or putting my trust in God, that it never goes the way I plan it. So then I'm I'm angry the whole time <laughs> because I think in the back of my head, I, I, I somehow believe that if it's not going according to my plan, everything is failing as if my plans are somehow better than the creator of the universe. And it sounds ridiculous to say that, but I don't care. 
I, I'm willing to bet most people think that way too, that are kind of the entrepreneurs, go-getters, because we have timelines, we have milestones, we have certain things we expect to happen for us to see success. So, and maybe there's people out there who are not like me. I would assume there is, but for me, it's an infuriating process. But here's what I realize uh, is so important about trusting God is that I have never gone through a process where I felt like I truly put my trust in God and I, and I live to regret it. Mm. But I, I, I have countless memories of putting my trust in people, myself, money, and whatever else you can think of. And I have many regret stories there. Not that I didn't learn something, but it could have gone a lot better and it could have <laughs> been a uh, time better used, yeah. but I, I've never regretted my, my trust in God. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to break those apart, isn't it? It's kind of hard to say, well, you know, am, am I really trusting God in this particular aspect of it? And, and that's why I think, you know, having some practices that we can just, you know, in some ways there's a faith element of even trusting God with it. You know, we often talk about trusting God and, and we say it in such a way that it's like an option of last resort, don't we? I mean, it's like, you totally. know, I just, need to, I just need to trust God with this one. You know, it's kind of like... Now that I've screwed it yeah, all up, it, it, I guess I can trust yeah, or, God. Yeah, or I, I'm out of options, you know? It's like, I don't know what else to do. I guess I just need to trust God with this one, you know? it's right. kinda, I, I've screwed all of it up. Now, God, can you make my plan Exactly, work? exactly. <laughs> And, and and we often so we often pray in that way. We often pray prayers of rescue, you know, as opposed to right. prayers of guidance. Well, it's, you know, what if I just got into this with prayer to begin with? It, it's funny. <laughs> there's so many times, I mean, when I'm journaling, that the thought will occur to me, you know, I'm, I'm like, well, I got to figure this out. I've got to, you know, kind of like work on, you know, what am I going to do about this situation or what do I'm going to do about whatever? And and I and then it's, I stop myself sometimes mid-sentence and go, why don't I just pray about that? You know, it's, it's like, it's an afterthought, you know, it's kind of like one of those, totally. I, I, you know, I'm bankrupt for an idea. And, and instead of getting frustrated about it, I'm like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got, I got this great connection with this God of the universe. Right. And, and it's just occurring to me now that maybe I could tap into that. Right. I think we treat God like a venture capitalist. We always want to pitch him our Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a great great point. Yeah, and we almost feel like unless we're ready to pitch the idea, we don't need to go to him. You know, we're going to go when we we run out of funds or we want to expand, then we go seek God's heart, you know. And we might even do a retreat. We might even fast. We might, you know, go off to... to the woods to get our answer to life when, you know, maybe that kind of trust should be taken on a more regular basis. But, you know, I think trust and faith are pretty much interchangeable. You know, they, they both are, you know, evidence of the same thing. You put your faith in something, you put your trust in something is kind of saying the same thing. And, and both are tested. You know, the Proverbs says the crucibles for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. And I think he is always testing to see our level of faithfulness. In fact, he's kind of testing to see if we are trusting in him. He's testing us to know if we are, you know, turning to him and and relying on him and seeking after his heart. And so this is kind of an important thing. If we're going to go with bold idea, it we better have trust in the Lord being central to that. Otherwise it's not a bold idea. It's a brash idea. <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. And I, and I think that's what, this, why talking about this is important. Cause I think quite often you hear people talking about the topic of 
you should trust God as if it's a normal everyday activity everyone is aware of and knows how to put it into practice when in reality you don't. And so, Larry, that's that's why I want you and I to talk about uh, the three trust practices, because I think often we, we, we talk about this topic of trust as if everyone knows exactly how to practice this idea of trust with God, as if it's intuitive, it's normal, it's, it's something that everyone is completely aware of. Where, where I, I don't believe that it is. So I think just having this discussion and get, throwing out some ideas might help someone like me because this is this is the kind of thing that that helps me know whether or not I am act, actively trusting God in something. And I know one of the first practices I want to personally talk about is prayer, mm-hmm. um, especially because of this uh, this this podcast. You know, with one of the first episodes we did was with Stephen Kendrick, and right. that's all he talked about. Yep. He's like saturated in prayer, incubated in prayer, and that's what we ended up talking about in episode fourteen where we're talking about good idea versus a God idea. So uh, let me ask you, what's the trust dimension that we need to consider today? Well, the trust dimension around prayer is, is really what prayer does for us. Cause uh, you know, the way I see it, the way I look at it is in God's kingdom, there are no solopreneurs. You know, Hmm. we are never to work on our own. We, the Bible says we are co-laborers with Christ and, and prayer is the way we attach to that co-labor. It's like, you know, trying to work with somebody and, and, and never being able to communicate with them. You know, how can you get aligned in purpose? How can you get aligned on, on direction? If, if you're not entering into prayer, uh, you become a solopreneur and you're really out on your own and, you know, it, 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 it's that acknowledgement that we're co-laborers with Christ and, and we're, we want to tap into that first. That becomes the most important thing that we can do is to connect in with God. Now that should go without saying, but you know, like we talked about earlier in daily practice, you know, theory is, is good until it's in practice. Right. And, <laughs> right. and, 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 you know, you look at, and I just look at my own prayer life and I'm astonished at how many times I have to remind myself, let's go back to God on this. You know, why do I, why do I stay so far apart from that? And so it's one of those things that kind of constantly have to test it. The other dimension of prayer that I think is so important here is that it really highlights our dependence on him. You know, it, it, it puts us things back into perspective, you know, that he's God and we're not. And he may be working some things using other people, using his spirit to guide some things that we don't know about. And so in my daily frustration or my daily angst or my daily discouragement, I may be forgetting that he's weaving together some other threads that I don't know about yet and that will come together in a way that will be, you know, deeply and richly satisfying to me. And it will be, you know, an inspiration. And I love the, the words that Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2.13, he wrote, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Now think about that. God is working in me to act. And he's the one that's bringing me inspiration. And I do that, you know, through prayer. You know, that's how I can sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, you know, it's just, that's such an important element. Oh, totally. Yeah. When you talked about the co-labor thing, it just makes me think of college when you all, you know, you're going to assign a partner to some assignment, and, you know, it's supposed to be kind of like a 50, 50 project, right. but the other 50 does, just doesn't show up right. or, or uh, <laughs> vice versa. They go and do all the work and come back and it's 
all this stuff that they know about, you know nothing about it, and you're somehow supposed to go with it. And if you don't, <laughs> they throw a hissy fit. I think I am that guy in every scenario when it comes to me and God. So mm-hmm. it's convicting hearing you say the whole co labor thing. Well, we're you know we're all we're all out of that same cloth. I mean, so I have the same challenge you do there. And you know, in the in the Genesis account, it talks about the fact that there was. There was no growth in the shrubs because God hadn't sent rain Mm. and there was no man yet to work the ground. So Mm. from the very beginning, even before the fall, there was this idea that we were co-laborers. Oh, that's good. And that's so, so vital for us to stay connected in that way. But, you know, there's an aspect of prayer that really is profoundly important, I think, and something that really hit home for me. And that was uh, when I looked at the meaning of Uh, Paul's words in Philippians chapter four, where he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And when I looked up what that word transcends all understanding actually means, it, it gave me a whole new perspective on prayer because the idea of praying is not to get understanding, it's to get peace. Because that word transcends understanding means it's better than understanding. It's not, he's not talking about peace that you can't understand. He's talking about prayer that gives you peace that doesn't require that you understand, which mm. is so cool because there are so many things I'm perplexed about. And that's why Paul could write in 2 Corinthians, I'm perplexed but not in despair because he had peace that came from prayer. And that's one of the telltale signs of whether we're acting this trust practice out well in our lives. Are we people of peace or are we people filled with anxiety? And so if there's a lot of anxiety in our lives, it's probably a pretty good indicator that really what we need to do is we need to go to God in prayer because he'll give us peace that is more important than understanding that we might have or want. You know, this might be way too serious of a story, but I'm going to share it anyway. One of the most profound experiences of trusting God I have that aligns with what you're saying about this transcending all understanding is my first year in faith, right? So I had been a follower of Christ for approximately a year. I I had been indicted by 11 federal agencies. I'm looking at two life sentences in prison. I have a 10-year minimum mandatory over my head. And I had a couple options, right? One option, well, I had a few options. One option of bringing down my prison sentence was one, cooperating with the government, which, come on, that's like the dumbest thing on the planet you can do if unless you're by yourself, have no one you care about, no one that you love, and there's no one for anyone else to kill, then that can be a good option. I didn't have that option. So cooperating with the law enforcement was definitely not on the table. And the other part of it was uh, I work and make a deal with people from the organized crime circles and you know which is equivalent to making a deal with the devil and you they basically own you and it and it, and it's a 50-50 shot whether it will give you a lower sentence or not you don't know but either way you make that transaction and you know the crappiest option was hey I'm not going to go to prison I'm not a, I'm not a cage animal guy so you kind of consider suicide those are kind of the only options I gave myself but being branded and brand new to the faith, you know, I constantly heard from mentors and pastors and people just trust God, just trust God, just trust God. 
And I was like, man, you don't get it. It's the United States government. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I remember going to my sentencing, not picking any one of those three options. And I picked this random option D of just just trust God, not knowing what that meant. And I said, all right. And I won't go into the whole story because I can't. And it's a long story and I can't share it without, you know, sobbing like a little infant who just got pinched or something. But I remember going to my sentencing, expecting to go to prison. And I, I experienced my first miracle, even though I was found guilty in a U.S. federal courtroom um, with the minimum mandatory 10 years. I remember my judge coming out um, complimenting me saying, I mean, I can't, I was tra- racking my brain back there trying to think of a word to describe you. And I didn't know what that was until I came back out here and made eye contact with you. And he said, you're the most gracious person I've ever had in this courtroom. Mm. And uh, he went on to sentence me. And so he found me guilty. So I have the highest federal felony that you can have in the United States government. I cannot get my record expunged unless the president of the United States himself signs a piece of paper. The Supreme Court can't even expunge my record. Uh, He started out the sentencing, you know, with though telling me I'm guilty. And and then he said he's not going to give me one day in prison. Mm. And uh, he went on to tell me I'm going to have 15 weekends. And, you know, we had to clarify that. And he went on to thank my lawyer for asking to clarify. He said, here's what I want you to do, Armin. I want you to turn yourself in every Friday at 10 10 a.m. And I want you to check yourself out every Sunday at 10 a.m. out of like a little county jail. And uh, and then he went on to say, I should give you enough time to get to church. And I, I, I just remember it was it was one of those moments where it made absolutely no sense of any kind based on the options I had on, on, on the table, each one that could get me out of something that I wanted to avoid more than anything to say, okay, I'm going to trust God. And I remember just walking into that courtroom. By the time I walked into that courtroom, so many different things took place that just shook me to my core, not the least of which being the fact that I didn't get a day in prison. And and I can't imagine anything that could have given me a better outcome in that scenario than me actively putting my faith and my trust in God. Because yeah. just, just to give perspective, I would be getting out of prison next February. Wow. That's, a, that's an amazing story of God's grace and provision. And also illustrates something that um, I think we're talking about with prayer is that, you know, you, you went in without understanding what your, I mean, you thought you knew maybe what the possibilities were. And yet what emerged through prayer and through trusting God was this idea of, of, that you hadn't even considered. I mean, just a, there was no way for you to have formulated that as an option. Oh my God, Larry, I, I wish we had enough time for me to share the story, but it is so ridiculous. Like I have never in my life, people don't believe me that I've been in the court system when I tell them my sentencing story. They're like, you're full of crap. There's no way. I'm like, I'm telling you, this is what happened. Because it, it was my sentencing and the judge literally put the prosecutor on trial during my sentencing, it made no sense. It was the craziest thing I'd ever experienced. And it was, again, back to that whole thing of, it was just one of those moments or it trans, my, my, the piece that I had going in there that made no sense. It just, it just transcended all understanding to your point. It was yeah. just, it was just crazy. I, and I, and I hope to God and I pray to God that everyone can experience something like that. Yeah. And think about that from a different perspective too, is that when we don't tap into those times of prayer, you know, when, when we can you know, just surrender what our anxieties are in prayer. We miss out on on the kinds of miracles that you just you just experienced. 
You know, so how many of those have I missed in my life? Because I just thought, you know, I just need to suck up and deal with this or do it or whatever. And I, and I don't think to turning to God in prayer. So great story, Armin, and what a terrific illustration and God's grace, man. I just, I got the chills as you were talking about it. And, I, and I've even known that story, you know, so it's kind of like, I mean, it's like, what a great reminder. I'm just encouraged by that myself. All right. So if prayer is the first practice that we need to work on, the, the second is pacing, and so, Armin, let's talk about that. What, what, what do we mean when we use the word pacing here as an example of how we can put our uh, trust to work? Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned it before, and, you know, I referred to Stephen Kendrick, but this idea of incubation, you know, or uh, I think Stephen Kendrick kept saying saturation, which <laughs> <laughs> I think I prefer incubation, but it means to be aware of two simple challenges. Either we're not moving at all or not moving fast enough. And the other side of it is uh, we're just moving too quickly. We're getting ahead of God because somehow we've convinced ourselves that we know more than God or that we just, you know, like the first part, like I said, it's just, we don't have all the answers. So we're just going to sit here and wait until we have all the answers or whatever the situation. And I think that's my problem. I think it's not that I don't move. I mean, there are some things that I don't move on, but I think in many things in my life, I move too fast. Right. <laughs> I think that's where we bond. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're like, we're like little brownie and marbles just bouncing off each other sometimes. <laughs> It's so true. <laughs> it's turning into a confession session. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so you see why we do these. We take a break for our guests so that we can do some bloodletting. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then the guests can hear it and come <laughs> counsel us on our exactly. own show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, but like the, the Bible often talks about keeping in step with the spirit and keeping in step with God. And I think that's one of those things where, you know, it, it, the Bible is just laying it out. Like keep, keep pace with God. And Jesus talked about, uh, putting on his yoke. The idea of putting on a yoke has to deal with how they used to yoke oxen together because, you know, there's always the strong ox and then there was the new ox that they're bringing in or the younger ox that they're bringing in. And, you know, it's kind of like me being tied to you where I, where, uh, it's the young eager guy who's, who, who thinks he's got it all figured out and he wants to run way faster than I should because I, I, I want to sprint a marathon or, you know, or I'm the lazy millennial who just doesn't want to move at all. And that's kind of what they did with the oxes is they put like the stronger veteran ox together with the younger eager ox. And no matter how often this younger ox would try to uh, go too fast or go too slow, the stronger ox would carry the load and he would often keep that perfect timing regardless of this other ox, the way that they, that they, uh, it, it would try to move. And so this idea of being yoked is, is it's kind of the same thing, but it's us being yoked to God. It's us mm-hmm. being yoked to the spirit of God so yeah. that when we try to outpace God or outmove God or not move at all, that we can sense where he's leading us and keep in step with him and know and have the peace and have the confidence of knowing that we're going at the pace that we need to be going to accomplish what it is that God has set before us. Mm. So good. You know, so, so oftentimes we, uh, could get discouraged because maybe an idea we've had for such a long, long time hasn't yet come to fruition and we can feel like we're slagging along or flogging along. And yet I think there's a times when maybe there's something that has yet to be built into that idea. Maybe the encouragement you might have today is, is there's a timing to the spirit and maybe it's not quite ready yet. You know, mm. are we still working on it? Are we still keeping pace with it? Um, and maybe it's, it's being seasoned. 
incubated, as you say. Right. Or the other part of it where, you know, there's everyone wants, not everyone, there's a lot of people out there that are just waiting for everything to fall in fall line into place. they even take, do anything. Yeah. Before they take a singular step towards it, because any step that they can think of comes with risk. But what bold idea doesn't come with risk, you know? And if totally. God is nudging you, take the step. Yeah. <laughs> so, totally. Lock my faith, not by sight. It's exactly. All good. Let's talk about the next practice, Larry. How about you talk about that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, let me point out one more thing, though, on this pacing thing. And this is something that I, as I run across people, especially uh, millennials that might come to me or people that are in job transition. And uh, one of the things that they often... Th- talk to me about is, you know, where they might find their next opportunity. And oftentimes they don't think much about where they want to go. They only think about in terms of where they've been and they're looking to match up something like they've done in the past. And I really like what Henry Nowen said, take time to believe in your free choice before you move forward in a new direction. And oftentimes in that pacing thing, we want to just stay in the same thing that we've done before because it's comfortable. And if God is taking you through a change, whether it's self-imposed or other-imposed, it's a good time to take some time and reconnect, making sure you're walking in step with the Spirit like Armin's talking about. Because so often we just automatically try to do what we've done. And it might be God's calling you to say, well, I got something different from you and I'm trying to get you to slow down enough to talk to me about it so that I, my spirit can take you where you need to go. You know, in fact, uh, Armin, I think we talked about this in one of our other episodes. Um, in John chapter two, Jesus talks about the spirit is like the wind and you can't tell what where it's going to come from or where it's going to go next. And then he says these remarkable words. He says, and so is the person born of the spirit. The idea being that we may not know yet where God wants to lead us next. If we're not in in step with the spirit, we won't know that. So good. Here's a third trust practice that we want to talk about today. And 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 it really goes back to what Armin was saying is that, is that, you know, we need to stick to our, our, our knitting in terms of keeping in step with the spirit means that we continue to take action as well. And the way we do that is through probing. So if the first trust action is prayer, the second trust action is pacing, the third is probing. And the idea here is that, you know, we want to, we want to test and continue to test and evaluate if this is where God wants us to be working. If this is the field that we are to be working in. And if this is the idea that God wants us to keep putting forth. You know, we talked about God testing our hearts, and, uh, and, and that's, a, that's something that uh, God does. He's a tester, and he tests our hearts. But we're also made in his image, and we're to test as well. And it says in Proverbs 25, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but to search out a matter is the glory of kings. And mm. so we're to kind of dive in and search out and find out what is going on, because in some ways, God plays a little bit of hide-and-seek here with us. It's not like he's hiding but some of the things that he wants us to discover are there not in, in plain sight. They're there with a little bit of work on our part. We have to be willing to go out and get it. And that requires that we do a little bit of probing. Now, we'll talk about testing. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> we, we don't want to test God here. That's the only thing that's kind of off limits to test because, you know, that's clearly God has said, you don't put me to the test. Because what's the point of a test? A test is there to reveal 
the flaws of something. It's there to reveal the weakness in something. It's there to see if something is strong enough. And uh, I think I, I might have told you a while ago, Armin, about a parakeet that I had. It kept nipping at my finger. And it kept bothering me because, you know, I put my finger up to it to get it to stand on it. And it would keep biting my finger. And I wondered what's going on. And then I read somewhere that when a parakeet bites your finger, it's not he's being aggressive. He's actually testing to see if it will be strong enough for him to step on and stand on. So it's his way of testing the strength or my, you know, so if I withdraw my finger, then of course it's not something that he would find reliable. And so Mm -hmm. God tests us to see if we're reliable, but God is ipso facto reliable. And so we're never to test him. Well, I want you to keep going, but I do want, I do want to say there is one part of the Bible where God does say test him. And that's with your tithe. Yeah, With your tithe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you it, know, he, exactly he, that, right. that's the one part he says, go yeah. ahead, test me and see if I am not God. Yeah. See if I won't open the floodgates, overflow your storehouses, yeah. see what I could do with your money, the little fraction of your money than more than you can do with all of your money. And I believe that's in the Malachi papers, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> the book of Malachi. That's okay, right. <laughs> so what are some of the so what are some of the things that we're supposed to test? So here's a few. There's probably a lot of different th- tests, but here's some that I've come across. I mean, jump in here too. Uh, first, is this the right time for this thing? You know, is am I to do this now, or is this a good idea that can wait? Because sometimes, if you're like me, or and I don't know, like Armin you can come up with more ideas than you can implement and to run off and implement every idea that you come up with may not be the wisest course of action. So that whole idea of let's take it, let's incubate it in prayer. Let's make sure we're keeping in step with the spirit and we're going to continue to probe and ask the question, is this the time for this? Yeah. And, and you know, I was just actually having this conversation. One of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make is they start something, they start moving towards it. And along that process, they find something else. They either add it to their existing business or they add another business to it. And that that's one of the most common reasons entrepreneurs fail. So it's not just like a biblical context of, hey, uh, make sure the time is right by praying to God. But like even understanding if you're, if you're not timing things and you're just trying to do too many things more often than not, it's the reason for failure, not success. Totally. It's like turning on a giant magnet in a, in a junkyard. You know, you're going to pick up all <laughs> kinds of stuff along the way and it might not be right. anything that you want. You know, we see the Apostle Paul talking about having open doors for him to, or a door being closed. And so this is his idea of testing, you know, this idea of an open door. Is there, is there, is God calling me into this? That's a, you know, is it the right time for something? Second question you can ask about your bold idea, would pursuing this affect those I love the most? How would it affect them? You know, it, and, and when we contest an idea and know, you know, wait a minute, this may be not such a good idea because it's going to draw me away from the most important relationships at a time that it's not really good time for that. Yeah. And what's important, I, I think about what you're asking, uh, the way that you're asking this question, it's not will that pursuing this affect those I love the most. The answer is obviously yes. It's how, how? will yes. pursuing this affect the people I love the most because no matter what, they're going to be affected by it. And it's, it's so it's knowing the difference between is it is it a positive impact or a negative impact? So I love the way you asked that. Yeah. And really even even discussing it with those you love the most or is a great way to, you know, test that as well. Right. What would be, what would have to be true for something or for your bold idea to work? 
is another great question to ask. You know, we often think about impossibilities, but we don't necessarily think about what has to be true for it to work. And and use that as kind of a marker for you to say, okay, if that has to be true, then how do I find out if it is or not? You know, just a great exercise to think through where do you need to test that and how can you how can you be praying and keeping in step with the spirit and probing that can you ask that differently so you said what would have to be true for it to work yeah. is that is that another another way of basically saying what would have to what would have to happen for it to work is, yeah it could be? be it could be what would have to happen or what would have to be true in other words if i'm thinking about an idea where i might want to start a nonprofit. Um, well, what would have to be true for it to work? Well, what would have to be true for it to work is I'd have to find some people who would be willing to invest in the cause that I have in mind and for it to work. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's probably a number of things I would have to, right. I would have to set up some programs that would make sense for, for the people that they would want to receive whatever it is that I would offer. So what would have to be true would be there would have to be a need there. Okay. And so it, I could it. test that need. Right. Okay. That's good. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. And then the last one that at least I, I think we could talk about today is, um, does it meet a burden that God's put on your heart? Uh, because, you know, we can come up with lots of ideas. And like you talked about earlier, I mean, many of them are not sustainable because they don't, they're not driven from a burden in our heart as much as, oh, that'd be a really cool idea. I mean, I got this great idea for a, a different kind of toaster, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you did actually, (laughs) but you know, there's probably nothing inside of my personality that would drive me to spend the rest of my life or the next several years pursuing a new toaster design, you know? So if God doesn't place that burden within you in a way that says, Hey, there's something about it sustainable. You might've just had a really good idea and maybe that's all it is. And maybe it's something to file away for somebody else or for the future. But right now it's not necessarily something you need to pursue. Here's what I would say. The reason I think that's so important, at least in my experience, is that God usually speaks to my heart more often than he speaks to my mind. And I think my mind often gets in the way of my relationship Mm -hmm. with God. And I know that sounds super weird and controversial and potentially really easy to argue with. So that's just my own personal opinion um, because I I try to rationalize and make logic of every, everything that I do. But sometimes God's just, God just puts certain things on my heart that are, I, I think intentionally completely irrational and illogical, but it's those types of situations that forces me to have to trust God if I'm going to pursue it. And I can't bank on myself and bank on my experience and bank on my knowledge. And I have to put my trust in God. And it's those scenarios when I just follow my heart that takes me down a path where I do get to experience God. I get to see God reveal himself to me. I do get to witness miracles and not just have to listen to someone else share a miracle story with me. So that, that, that last piece that really speaks to me doesn't meet a burden that God has put on your heart. Cause that, I think that's, that's been one of the most critical things for me, at least personally. Yeah. I found those to be questions I keep coming back to time and time again with my own ideas 
But you may have some that God brings up to you in prayer that through your own journey that becomes kind of the central theme that you need to test as well. So having a time that you set aside for this kind of probing, for me personally, it's every morning I journal and that's how I apply some of these tests. But just find some way for you to look at how you might be able to probe and test some of these things yourself and see if there's some open doors that God might be uh, providing for you with your bold idea. Well, Armin, that's probably enough for the tests that we wanted to offer today, or at least <laughs> yeah. uh, the trust practices that we wanted to offer. And um, we'd just invite you to offer your own. There's lots of different ways for us to find out if we're really trusting God with a bold idea. And we'd love to hear from you on ideas that you have. How do you know if you're really trusting God with your bold idea? Let us know at our show notes at boldideapodcast.com slash 64. We'd love to receive a comment from you there or on our show line at 612-568-IDEA. That's 612-568-4332. Of course, we love it when you review our show at boldideapodcast.com slash review. And even more so, we consider you a great friend for you just passing along this show to someone else and let them know about the program as well. Feel free to reach out to us. Let us know what you think. And until next week, this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. Saying so long and be blessed and be bold. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.